Jeez, Dad, not the car again. Oh, happens all the time with old Betsy. Have you checked out Carvana yet? They have thousands of cars for under $20,000. But do those thousands of cars have personality like old Betsy? Betsy's held together by tape. And there are raccoons living in the engine. It's a family car. Uh, there are flames on the hood? Ah, custom paint job. No, Dad, the car's on fire. How many cars did you say Carvana had? Visit Carvana.com to shop thousands of cars for under $20,000. We'll drive you happy at Carvana. When Arsenal knocks on the door of players, it's a different knock than other clubs. Clap, slap, slap. Les différents podcasts de frappe. Arsenal have been through their mile and a half of pipe like Andy Dufresne in the Shawshank Redemption where you have to see the light at the end of the tunnel. El podcast de golpe diferente. But Arsenal are going through their pipe, like I say. We'll be back. The Different Knock Podcast. Maybe we'll have a good surprise for you. Welcome back to the Guess Which Idiot Forgot to Set Up Their Microphone podcast. A light-hearted look at Arsenal with Alexander Moneypenny and my very good friend. There's less space on the moon. It's international break. We're bored. You're bored. Uh, we, this, this podcast is a review of the Arsene Wenger Invincible film. Bradley and I saw it last night at the Picture House in Finsbury. Uh, looking forward to talking about that with Brad today. Uh, not loads is going on. Uh, Emil Smith-Rowe's low-socked England debut, uh, some rumours for Kulisevsky and Vlahovic. Uh, but uh, yes, this podcast is a review of the Arsenal Wenger Invincible film. Hope you enjoy it. We're back on Sunday with a podcast with Rohan, uh, Rohan Chivan, who came on the podcast recently, and it was an absolute joy. Looking forward to that. So um, yes, we'll be back then. But until then, enjoy this review of Arsenal Wenger Invincible. I've said that three times now at the Finsbury Park. I've said that three times now. Enjoy. Back to the Where's the Fucking Football podcast with Alexander Moneypenny and my very good friend... Bramley Apples. Hello, mate. Hello, friend. How are you? Very good. Saw you not 12 hours ago. Oh, God, yeah. Not even not even 12, 12 hours. Dear old hours ago. Anything changed? No. Any big life decisions made? Absolutely none. None? No? No. I ordered some new... Actually, I ordered some new football boots. Wait, okay. What'd you get? I got some uh, Adidas uh, Predators, uh, but they're laceless. I've never used laceless ones, so I was like, "Oh, yeah, they could be. It could be interesting." Do you know what I really appreciate? What I don't know what they're called. I think they might be called Copper Mundials. You know those black and white ones with mm. the with the tongue. Mm. I think I think when I was a kid, I used to think they were like, "Oh, they're fucking old school." But now I'm just like, they're really, they're cool. They're, they're sexy. They're, fit. they're sexy. I got some uh, Nike Mercurials. Because I am at heart a Cristiano Ronaldo fanboy. If you think I'm a fanboy of Arteta, honestly. <laughs> Do you know what I think I've learned? Uh, segwaying straight into the film last night. Go on. I was such a big Wenger fanboy. I think everyone was at one point, surely. And for, no, but, but even at the end, even at the end, I think it's taken separation and time for me to admit that it was time for him to move on. But even at the end, I think I would have slit my own throat to, to to prove he was the right man for the job. Do you know what I yeah. mean? Like, and I I, I realised something. I was uh, I was talking to my girlfriend about it, and she like because I, f- I felt like weirdly sad about it. We watched the uh, the documentary last night, hence the episode that where we're going to discuss the documentary. Um, and she helped me realise that one of the reasons that I felt sad about it last night. Was because I've bla- I've basically blocked Arsene Wenger from my mind for the last three four years. I've not watched any interviews of him as much as possible. I've not consumed 
any of his content bar kind of the first 30 pages of his book. Um, Before you fell asleep. Yeah, basically. Um, and I, and I realized kind of how much I'd put him away from my mind because of how painful it was, like, which is very strange, but he was, you know, I'm slightly older than Alex. In even then, he was the only manager I knew of Arsenal for 22 years, 23 for my for my whole life up until that point. And like it's it's weird. He became he becomes almost a de facto father figure for the sport that you're invested in. And a lot of the players said that in in the documentary last night. I was talking to my girlfriend. She was like, "Yeah, like it's almost like you have removed that big influential figure in your life, and you're now just trying to push it from your mind so you don't have to remember." kind of the sadness of it all. I, I really connect with that. I really, I feel, I feel similar. I, I thought Arsenal was called Arsenal because of him. Do you know what I mean? Like that's, mm. that's the influence that he, he had on me. Um, welcome back to the different podcast. We, welcome we back, watched, uh, we watched the uh, Arsene Wenger Invincible film, hence the title of this podcast. And hence probably the reason he even clicked on it. So thank God Brad's better than me and started to get on with it rather than waffling about football boots. Um, yeah. Uh, it was. It was a really emotional. It was a really emotional film. I I I came away from it feeling, as you just yeah, as as we said before, we, we jumped on pretty pretty sad, pretty melancholic, pretty um, reflective about his time at Arsenal. What could have been, what was, um, how it all played out. What should have been. Well, maybe what should have been, but but ultimately, I think as Thierry Henry says at one point in the film love stories rarely have happy endings. And I think, you know, that certainly fits fits the agenda here. Um, I want to talk about it, and we should talk about it, and trying to structure this conversation slightly. Let's talk about it as a piece of cinema first, and then okay. we can kind of discuss the issues that came up. Because um, I felt... I felt it was it was good. Um, I think it was about two hours long, is it? Finished at about half ten, started at half eight. So, yeah, probably about yeah, two yeah. hours. There wasn't, there wasn't exactly shitload of adverts either so yeah so like overall definitely worth a watch if you're an Arsenal fan it will come out on Amazon Prime it's it's definitely worth a watch and it's definitely an interesting watch it's not something where you I wasn't disengaged at any point no. I did feel overall that as a sort of piece of cinema it didn't quite hit all the emotional beats for me I felt as though what it did was it, it got stuck between two places because a documentary is obviously looking back at what something is and going, this is what happened. So they're not trying to like surprise you in any way. It's, we, no. the, the film is called Invincible. Do you know what I mean? We know they're going to go the, the season unbeaten. And most people watching that would know they were going to go the season unbeaten. But then what you have to do, I think, is find a, a different narrative arc that pops out different emotional beats in it, whether it was Arsene's doubts or something that, that was overcome in the end or something. Something new where we kind of get invested in the film from a piece of cinema perspective i didn't think they did that and then from the documentary standpoint if you're just going well actually we know what happened i didn't feel we sort of crescendoed at that point when we won the league either do you know what i mean so just it didn't quite hit all the emotional but it felt like a just a account of what happened which is fine but i didn't feel it as a piece of cinema before we discussed the sort of the topics that mm. arose i didn't think it really got me there and i have another thing as well but i'm interested in what your thoughts are thoughts are on that I we, we we were chatting about it last night. I think it's also difficult for it to hit. You mentioned last night, and I think we're always kind of inclined to just believe that it's just going to go up and up and up and up and up, right? And there was such a peak, you know, winning that season on in, Invincible was such a peak 
that then everything from there was downhill. And they mentioned it in the, in the, in the documentary itself. And I was thinking about it last night and I, I don't know whether, I don't know whether it was achieved too early and it gave them nothing else to strive for. When it, no one will ever win win the win the season unbeaten again. It will it will never happen again. I don't think uh, football's far too competitive nowadays. Let alone back in those days where it was still ridiculously competitive. But there's far too much quality across the whole league for a, for a team to go one whole season unbeaten. I don't think it'll ever be repeat, repeated. But I, the, I one thing I kind of drew from it was maybe if they don't do that, they win the title a few more times. Because there's more of a an effort to try. Because they keep trying to win the league unbeaten. And then maybe they do it again, maybe they don't. But I, I, part of me just thinks maybe we hit that pinnacle and that peak. And this is what it felt like for me with the documentary as well. And then there was nothing else to show. Yeah, there was nothing of, else to go through. Form-wise, it sort of lost its way after that. I, I know what you mean. Yeah. It's, it kind of... Kind of with the documentary it. as well, it, it almost yeah. perfect. It's almost the perfect piece of cinema because it almost perfectly echoes what happened. We hit mm. that brilliant peak; it was built well, and then we lost structure, form. We lost the way that we ran things, and we mm. we tailed off and declined. Mm. Mm. I do want to come back to that. There's another thing I thought as well, which was. When you when you watch like old footage of footballers, and it kind of get, it kind of strays into the sort of the the you know the Pele Maradona type conversations, it's really difficult to ascertain how good a, a footballer was and how good um, you know is it your memory playing tricks on you? If you were there in two thousand and four and you were you you know you were in your peak of your life, your mid twenties or whatever it was, and you were you were having a great time, you're going to think Henri and Pirès and Burkamp were the best team ever, of course, and you know that it's it's emotionally linked. It's a it's a it's a sport that is. It's something that we are tied to massively. And you watch old footage of football through that lens. You watch it through an old camera. You watch it through that thing. If you watch, you know, footage of Pele when he's younger, it's grainy footage from Brazil in, in black and white. And it's difficult to actually compare it to a modern paradigm. Now, we know stats-wise that um, players these days, uh, from the beginning of the Premier League to now, make, I think it's double the amount of high-intensity sprints. So there are certain things that we know have changed. But in terms of the technical quality, what hit me in in in, in terms of the, the piece of cinema was how good those footballers were. They really worked that well. They 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 showed that really well. And I think like I, I wish there was a bit more football footage, but I think seeing just how good these like the the clip selection, the um the interspersing, like how they how they sort of um put it in terms of what's the way the pacing of, of the of the clips you got a real sense that these guys were fucking good. Like, and and I think we kind of, as I say, through through an old lens, we sort of maybe consign it a little bit to history and go, you know, football's almost linearly getting better. But actually on a technical level, things like that Dennis Bergkamp moment against Newcastle or that Henri goal against, I think it's United, where he flicks up and gets it um, over Bartes. Those moments... Th- those players are like I can't imagine a player in the modern game doing that. Now that may be because the game's changed. I'm not saying a player isn't capable of doing that, but having the balls to do that in a game, that's that might be something we don't see again. Yeah, and and seeing the the freedom we don't see that a lot nowadays. The freedom that those players were given and that those players were have to express themselves and to do those things, and we saw that all the way through Arsene Wenger's reign. 
you know, I, I then hark back to the the Norwich goal. I think it is Wilshire that scores it. That unbelievable team goal. Some of the moves that we used to put together, there was a constant kind of push for freedom and for expression. And it's something that I really miss from Arsenal. And Wenger says it in the documentary, you know, that they were there to provide entertainment. You know, they're there to to bring joy and to bring light and get people off their seat and say like, oh my God, that was unbelievable. And that I think is something that maybe as an Arsenal fan, I need to try and let go of that idea that football has to be entertaining and has to be constantly, you know, unbelievable for me. But I, I don't want to. That's why I fell in love with football. That's why I fell in love with Arsenal. And it, I think that, again, it invokes this weird sense of, of, of melancholy because we have been so distanced from that joy for a long time. We've gone mm. to, we've gone from an Emory system that was just completely unorganised, just completely unorganised in any way. And we put a couple of good team moves together. But like we saw with Steve Bruce at Newcastle, it's the remnants of an old system. You know, when Steve Bruce first took over, the defence still looked all right because it had still been coached by Rafa Benitez for the last six months. And I think that we saw that with, with Emery's first season. You know, you had pretty much the whole bones of a team that Wenger had coached for years. And now we're in a, a we, were, we had a really rough patch with Arteta and we now seem to be kind of getting some of the wheels in motion together. But it's definitely not the same. It's not the the creative... Hmm. Uh, bounding football that that kind of we were once witnessing, and and that's that's okay if it's successful for us, and it, it's different. And again, I think changed. that's just that's. I think that's also something that we, as fans, it tars the lens that we view the job that our manager's doing from, because we're so addicted to this this unbelievable football, this attractive football, this mm. expressive and entertaining football. I genuinely believe that if even if Arteta won uh, a title mm. playing five at the back, horribly defensive football, Arsenal fans still wouldn't accept it in some way. Mm. Because, because it's, so, it's the antithesis. It's the antithesis of what we believe ourselves to be. Mm. And maybe the game has changed where we can't be that anymore. I, I don't think I fully believe that, but it's, yeah, it's, it's really hard to, dis it's really hard to kind of break down and discuss it because it's so emotional. Like mm. it's so interlinked with like our whole childhood, our yeah. whole lives up until the point where we were men from the day I was born to, you know, four days after my 22nd birthday was his last home game. Mm. So you're talking about, I grew up became a man, went to drama school, university, got a degree, all of those things. Grew a sexy beard. Yeah, like all of these things whilst almost putting my stock and my faith in one man. And it, yeah, it's, mm. it's and And, and I think the, the film itself, like the first come back when you're sort of, they were entertainers, like it's the perfect piece of cinema because they are entertainers. Mm. But also... Um, well, what I'm going to make one point, and then I want to come back to that that same sort of thing. The um, the, the, the 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 there was a moment in the film where Henri, uh, we where they I think we're two one down against Liverpool at half time, mm -hmm. 
And Omri scores that goal against Liverpool where he like, sits Carragher down and slots it with his left foot in, into the corner. And I didn't realise that was the week from like, I think it's the 3rd to the 9th of April uh, where we had gone out of the FA Cup to uh, Manchester United in the, in the, semi, in the semi, uh, semi-final. We'd gone out of the Champions League in, I think it was either the quarter-final or the semi-final. It was a, quarter, to, it was a quarter-final to Chelsea. To, to that Wayne Bridge goal. And then that was on the Sunday or the Saturday. So that week was absolutely fucking mad. <laughs> and Henri to do that from 2-1 down kind of really contextualised some stuff for me. And as you say, kind of kind of builds into that sort of, these guys were entertainers. These guys were narrative builders. These guys were were people who we... Protagonists. Knew, protagonists. They were protagonists. But to come back to what, what we were saying there, I think on that, it's such an emotional film because I think, and this is something my, my partner said and I'm completely stealing it, but I think it's true. The film, for me, took its cues <clears throat> from Wenger and felt like it was, I mean, it was a film about him, so fair enough. It was called Arsene Wenger Invincible, so fair enough. But this is a film depicting, to some degree, Arsene's take on the un- Invincible season and, and his his time at Arsenal. Um, and there was this kind of consistent theme through the film of Wenger running um, and uh, going, uh, just realised, spoiler alert, <laughs> a bit late um, uh, it's basically a consistent uh, theme of Arsene Wenger running and you're running behind him and he sort of it sort of cuts back and forward between uh, certain places you know he goes back to Strasbourg blah 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 blah. and I got the real sense that this guy was kind of well he was and he says by himself is addicted just absolutely addicted and I think when you watch someone's personal sacrifice for a thing that you loved to come back to what you were saying. I think it's really, it's really hard. It's actually really hard because he talks about his family and he talks about, you know, the fact that he basically, he got that balance wrong. You know, he says at one point in the film, I got it wrong and I have a, um, and I'm now, I'm lucky to have a daughter, lucky to have a daughter. And I'm, and I'm now trying to get that right. And there's like a beat where you think you're going to hear from the daughter, but Arsene just sort of smiles and looks down and it's actually really sad because you feel the sort of, and he says to me like, I'm trying to get it right now. And there's like a moment where the, the film just leaves it for a second and you just watch him sort of look down and sort of smile through the pain type thing. And you see the sacrifices that he had to make to 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 create what he did. And I think the film does a great job of that. But kind of moving forward outside of the sort of the, the form of the film, I think it kind of gives us a real insight into Arsene himself and provides some really interesting debate about whether... Arsene's legacy, that 2007 contract extension. What happens if he goes in 2007? And do we have a? Are we having very, very different conversations about Arsene Wenger now? And is the emotion a slightly different one? Is the emotion a, a sort of a more celebratory one? If Arsene was there from '96 to 2007, you know, leaves sort of just after Thierry Henry, we have that period. We're at the Emirates. Yes, history is different specifically on Wenger, I think we look back on him differently, right? I also think it depends what he goes on to do in his career, doesn't it? Because you're viewing that, and we are viewing that from the prism that, you know, if he leaves in 2007, that's 11 years of his tenure at Arsenal that no longer exist. But that's 11 years of his career that he's winning leagues, Champions Leagues elsewhere. Because I have I have no doubt in my mind that if you put him in charge of a team of Real Madrid, Madrid of Real Madrid's kind of caliber in those in those years of Bayern Munich's of 
he would he would win a Champions League. He would. And it Arsenal held him back as much as he as much as he held, held us back. back. Yeah. Yeah. And the addiction I think and I, I I think if he wins the Champions League in 2006, he goes. I do. I yeah. think that that left him with some unfinished business that he felt like he needed to finish and felt like he needed to prove. And it was interesting that that wasn't mentioned the whole way through the film. Mm. Because I think that is kind of Arsene Wenger's one, maybe, maybe wish Arsenal to have completed that one thing and be able to say, I went there, won three league titles, won unbeaten and brought them the Champions League. And then it's 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 completely different. Um, and... It's almost like you say, it's really difficult to have these conversations about where are we having a different conversation about Arsene Wenger? Are we having a, because we also started having the conversation last night of, well, where would Arsenal be? And I said, I think we'd, we'd have become a much, uh, a much more regular mid-table club quite quicker because you look at what he did with the finances that he did and the sustained almost success of staying in the, the continental competitions to help us pay off the extra 220 million pounds of debt we took on with the Emirates. It's unbelievable that as an achievement under the constraints that he was under. Uh, but I don't think there's a point. I, I really don't think there's a point because I, none of us can... The only thing I think that we can say with any certainty is if he went to a team that had more financial ambition... Uh, than Arsenal at that time, he has a lot more success. Mm. But I don't think we can say with, and I was thinking about this after our conversation, I don't think I can say with any clear clarity whether it is true that we would become a much more regular mid-table club. Just as you couldn't say that, you know, you think that we would have rebuilt quicker and or better. You know, no, we don't know. Yeah, it's, 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 it's almost it's it's, it's 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 impossible to yeah. know because we don't know what manager would have got we would have gotten post Wenger we don't know what route we would have gone down, and I think it also besmirches the legacy that he did leave us with, which was the Emirates Stadium, and clearing that two extra two hundred and twenty million pounds worth of debt to bring us into the modern era, so we have the springboard to build back now. And one thing that really saddened me last night was when uh, there was a there was a moment when they were talking about a United game and it panned to Old Trafford. And I think this was done on purpose to the Sir Alex Ferguson stand. And the fact that there is not a stand or a statue of Arsene Wenger outside the Emirates is a disgrace. Yeah, I, I, it, I agree. It's, it's despicable that that's not happened yet. The man single-handedly created the club that now, you know, and everyone says, oh, you know, Arsenal were Arsenal before Arsene Wenger. Think of what Arsenal are now. Think of what Arsenal are remembered to be now. We can talk about the other 10 league titles that Arsenal won before Wenger and all the FA Cups that we won before Wenger. But think about the image. Everything that Arsenal are remembered as now are Arsene Wenger's years. I, I do think that's, I agree, I'm not saying that's wrong, but I do think that's recency bias. But no, but it's, it's also just time moving on. A lot of people from the George Graham era who were old enough and from that Herbert Chapman era definitely who were old enough are dead. 
and there was no and there, there was no media there was in the same way that there is nowadays in the modern sphere with everything that we can remember and all the, all of the footage that we can see and everything that we can claim onto the identity of arsenal is arsen wenger and his legacy in the modern era everyone that is an arsenal fan that talks about their club and the way that they love the you know the 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 idea of 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 multiculturalism and sticking to like it all comes from him every part of what arsenal's dna is in the modern era comes from him i certainly, really believe that certainly in 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 the modern era and i think also because you got to think about when he was there and the premier league was being massively um massively sort of globalized at that point and was and was becoming the product that we know it is now and mo- probably most of arsenal's sort of global reputation certainly does come from Arsene Wenger I'd, uh, you know I'd, I'd I'd contest I'm sure there's some sort of older arsenal fans listening to this who think you know what are these boys on about you know you know they 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 don't know their arsenal their elbow and you know Herbert Chapman George Graham and all that sort of stuff but I do I do agree with you that ultimately in the modern era when people think of arsenal it is, you know, uh, how should an Arsenal team play? It's it's an Arsene Wenger team. How should an Arsenal... Uh, you know, 90% of people. 90% of football fans. Uh, as in not just Arsenal fans, you know. it's. But that's also because of how accessible the, the footage is. I know nothing about George Graham's time at Arsenal, really. I know nothing about Herbert Chapman's time at Arsenal other than it was successful. I've never watched the teams because there's not a lot of footage to watch. All I can do is go on fucking Wikipedia most of the time and read up stats and, and things like that. Everything that Arsenal are known for now, because of his, during his time, the the almost archiving of footage and the way that we could save footage and rewatch things and relive moments. Everything that we are is because of Arsene Wenger. In and whether whether we like to admit it or not, and you know, I think there are some. Definite people who would really not like to admit that. Um, seeing the way that you know he was treated during his last few years, but I th- and I, th- I don't think it's just because of him and how amazing you think he is or whatever. It's also just because of just the logic of when he was Arsenal manager. He, like you say, he was Arsenal manager when the Premier League became this global product that it is. He was Arsenal manager during the time that we have the technology and the advances we have now to draw back on those times. Like I can probably go back and watch every match that Arsenal played from that 2015-16 season where if we had a striker, we win the league. Every game. And I can watch the identity of Arsenal. I can't do that for any other manager. And I'm not going to do that for Emery and I'm not going to do that for Arteta. Do you, do you do you get what I mean? I, I do. I do understand what you mean. I, what I what the difference I I make is when you said everything we are is Arsene. I disagree. I think the current modern perception of Arsenal is based on Arsene's um, image, which I think is both by design and you know, and, and we were actually quite lucky to have that in, in in many ways. Arsenal, and we were saying this yesterday. If, for example, Wenger goes in two thousand seven, there are. I think there were people. Who are concerned about what happens? You know what 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 happens there? Where do Arsenal go? You know what are what are Arsenal without Arsene Wenger? And that's and that's a big question. But we were, and are the I would say certainly third, possibly fourth biggest league, uh, biggest uh, club in, in the country. If you look at every as we were talking about last night, every metric you can possibly think of: league titles won, stadium size, fan attendance, global interest, uh, you know sponsorship, average league position. 
etc 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 Arsenal are up there as much as you know current form and you know last couple of seasons that have, haven't been very good it doesn't really change the fact that we're a big 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 club and that is not just based on Arsene Wenger that's based on you know years no. and years and years of George Graham and Herbert Chapman etc but I think the the perception of Arsenal and the the uh, the strata of consciousness that people associate with Arsenal is all based on Arsene Wenger like that idea of the, the sort of the class the intelligence the technical football the um the the invincibles the the you know sort of not only famous teams but the sort of the values of arsenal i think arsenal mm-hmm. was very much the custodian of that and i think to his detriment and arsenal's at some point because when you become you know he says something like his greatest flaw is is the fact that he loved arsenal too much and that's sad <laughs> like it, it kind of is but also we were the beneficiaries in many diff- different ways. Yeah. And you just have to look at how he brought us into the modern generation. You know, we talk about, you know, G- George Graham and Herb Chapman, obviously paving the and groundwork others and others. Yeah, of course. But you, they're just the most two kind of prominent names that come to mind. But when you think of what we have become, the move to the new stadium, the global branding, there are millions of people on the planet now that are Arsenal fans because of what Arsene Wenger did in a time when football is more popular. Arsenal are a very big club now and a massive, as in like, you know, people talk about Aston Villa being a big club. They're not. They have history, but there is a difference. They have a very little history from the 1970s. But in the last 40 years, or 30, yeah, last 30, 40 years, they've been borderline irrelevant at points, a lot of points. Arsene Wenger brought Arsenal and kept Arsenal kind of relevant at the most important time of football history, when football did grow into a, a modern brand and a viewable brand. And it cemented our place at the top of yeah. the food chain. And I don't disagree, but I think when we're talking about what what would happen if Arsene left in 2007... I think this idea that Arsenal would become irrelevant and mediocre, I think is, I'm not going to propose alternative timelines, but say, for example, actually, I'm literally going to do that right now. Say, for, say Arsene Wenger leaves in 2007. We, will, we would struggle. We'd have, we'd have the new stadium debt. We'd have, you know, David Dean leaving. We'd have, you know, a lot, lots of sort of difficulties. And we'd probably have a similar period as we had when Arsene Wenger left in 2018. A sort of a period of difficulty in the boardroom, difficulty on the pitch, all that sort of stuff. And especially the financial restraints would be difficult. Well, yeah, we'd be an extra £220 million in debt. Exactly. But, and we may not and find the a manager. And the like, debt as well. We may not find a manager like Arsene who's willing to take on that project. But what we are is the third biggest club in the biggest league and about to become at that point the biggest league in the world. We would have found some kind of, someone would have been interested. Someone would have looked at the achievements of Arsenal before pre-Arsene Wenger and the sort of the, the as you say, c- cementation of him, of Ars- Arsenal as a massive club over that period, over the sort of the popularisation, let's call it, of the Premier League and would have stepped in. Like, I think, I, I think I the idea that... I, think, I don't know if I agree. Because I think you're... you're Just, hang on, you, so you're you saying are, no, no one would have been interested in Arsenal up no, until No, I'm not saying no one. I'm saying no one of the calibre of Arsene Wenger would have been interested in Arsenal. I'm not talking about managers. I'm not talking about, I'm not talking about managers. I'm talking about owners. I'm talking about people oh, investing but, in the okay. club and bringing uh, Arsenal back to where they were. Possibly. That's, that's definitely uh, an option. But, you know, David Dean before leaving is the person that brought Stan Kroenke into the club. So Stan already had his kind of weaselly little fingers in us by that point. Uh, I, I think 
talking about owners becomes a really difficult conversation more than talking about results and more than talking about the kind of kind of irrefutable facts of we were yes the third biggest club in the country but you're talking about trying to attract an elite manager of an elite level and going to them here you can have a brand new stadium you're going to have to sell your best assets every year and we're going to tie a cinder block to your leg of 300 million pounds of debt that you're going to have to drag along with you and try and pay off so you're not going to get to spend a lot of money and i think that when there are other jobs available you think this is the start of almost the managerial merry-go-round arsenal is not looked as 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 fond as an op- as fonder an opportunity than than lots of other clubs on the up with with barely a, a tenth of the financial restrictions that we were under at the time i think we spend a, a lot of years paying off that debt and not getting anywhere near the quote unquote success that we had so if that's true if that's true then should we not be a lot more grateful to arsen oh i 100% 100% because if arsen goes in 2007 who else of his caliber can keep us where no we one. were no and, and and i and i i do think i do think it would have been rectified in a different way. I think probably with financial backing, because I don't think a club like Arsenal with the investment opportunity that Arsenal would have been in 2007, as it is now, I don't think, a, I don't think an owner wherever they are in the world wouldn't have stepped in and tried to at least resolve the situation financially, because let's be clear, it was financial restrictions. And there's definitely an argument of saying, well, if Wenger goes, that happens quicker. We get the, some investment in sooner and, you know, get like the proper, like the type of investment that we actually need in sooner. And we have a completely different path. Perhaps we've won three or four more Premier Leagues over the last couple of, you know, 10, 10, 15 years. That's definitely an argument, but it's alternative timelines. We literally don't know. What we can say is Wenger did an incredible job over that period. And he says himself in the movie, the best job I did was from 2007 to 2015. And while I don't agree on the pitch, obviously, I'm not sure he had literally the possibility to to achieve the same he did on the pitch over that period. Off the pitch, he did do that. But the problem is that comes at a cost. It's like Mourinho saying his best ever achievement was getting second with that United team. It depends. If you only view winning the league as the only barometer for success, there are 19 unsuccessful managers every season, but Norwich aren't expecting to win the Premier League. Just as in, come 2012, we don't have the capability to win the Premier League. Yeah. And I think we have to look at that and go, well, actually keeping us third, fourth, 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 third, fourth, whatever it was, even getting a second at one point, I think we, at some point, perhaps, maybe now, we should start to look at ourselves as Arsenal fans and go, was that actually a really sensational job from Arsene Wenger? And as much as Absolutely. it became as much as it became stale for us as fans, as much as it became a difficult period for us and it, you know, gave rise to things like AFTV and, you know, some difficult sort of conversations, a lot of difficult conversations we had, and a lot of people, I think as as Sir Alex Wenger, uh, Alex, Sir Alex Wenger, as Sir Alex uh, Ferguson says in the movie, I think a lot of people owe Arsene an apology. And but, should be ashamed of themselves. Yeah, and should be. But I think maybe, just maybe, if we're moving into, because we talked about this last night, the Cronkies are starting to invest. 
whether whether you believe it or not, whether you buy their whole, well, we've only been in since 2018, it sort of doesn't matter. Right now, they're investing in the club and they plan to invest in the club and they're, they're saying they're not going, this is just the start. So if this if this is just the start, and I see, you know, we watched that Josh Conkey interview, there's, you know, I feel a, a further investment in the club from Josh Conkey stands basically given it over to him, I perceive anyway. If we're about to get a massive load of investment over the next couple of seasons, we might just look back on that Wenger period and go, that is exactly what we needed in that period to keep us going, to sustain us, to keep, well, we didn't have sugar daddy owners or we didn't have, you know, countries backing us. Maybe Wenger was exactly what we needed during that period. Yeah. And maybe we will. And also, it all depends on what happens in the future. Ultimately, if Arteta's, if the Arteta project fails, the Cronkies don't invest much more, we end up being a mid-table club for the next five, ten years, everyone will look back on the Wenger era, that 2007, and go, that was when it started. That was the problem. We started accepting mediocrity then. That's when, as you say, we, you know, or, we, the league title situation, we, we weren't... Hang on, they'll hang, look back hang at on, it. Hang on. We, weren't, we weren't winning league titles, and that's the marker of success, and therefore that's when we started started failing. Or do we look back on it as actually that was a bridging moment to get us to where when Wenger left... We had a bit of a sort of a search around, a, re- a reach around, for want of a better phrase, a bit of a shuffle around and got to the right appointments. And then we've pushed on from there with the right ownership. And it, it, it will all spin on what's happening on the pitch now. Or it could even look as if, say, for example, Arsenal get no better than kind of sixth, seventh average top of the half mid-table club for the next however long under the Cronkies financial model. You, maybe people look back at it and they see that 2007 to 2018 period as much more of a success than they than they do now. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Getting they see third it and as fourth, a success. they go, wow, yeah. Getting third <laughs> and fourth and FA Cups. Managing to be in those competitions, even though we were never challenging for those competitions. I always yeah. found that such a, a stupid argument. Oh, well, you know, Arsene Wenger, he's not going to win the Champions League, so what's the point of even being in it? You're in the One Champions team winning. One, t- one, one t- thing, and, and this is what I mean. I'm, and I think I'm starting to realise more and more you have to set achievable targets and look at it in an achievable sense because if your only barometer for success is winning the league or winning the FA Cup or winning the Carabao Cup or winning the Champions League, bearing in mind, or the Europa League or the Conference League, you only have a chance at four competitions every year. Mm-hmm. So only four people in your lane can be successful every year. You have to open your mind to other versions of success. It's and similar Arsene to life. Wenger from 2007 all the way to 2018, even when we were finishing fifth and sixth, was successful at Arsenal Football Club. Yeah, and I think and I think that period maybe should be revised to, to sort of define it as that. It's like life, mate. If you're a music artist and you and you only define yourself as successful if you get a number one album. You're, you're setting yourself up for failure. That can be a dream. And if that happens, amazing. And yes, that is a form of success. But if you only believe within yourself, within your heart, I'm only going to be successful if, I get, if, I'm, if I'm Ed Sheeran. It's like, well... Not going to happen. What if you're not? Well, well yeah. maybe it will. But, but what maybe, if you're not? But- what happens then? Are you just not successful unless that happens? No. We have to, yeah, as you say, we have to look at the... We have to look at what what we define as success and what, and what we need and what the game needs and looking around. And we've got to, got to remember contextually from 2003-04 that season how much the Premier League and the environment around the league has changed it's unrecognisable it's an unrecognisable league, league has changed 
so so you know there are and i and i do remember sort of the i look at the people and and we just sort of finish up this discussion now i look at those pictures of people celebrating the 0304 season and it's powerful it's really powerful it must be a really powerful moment for those fans who were there and i can understand having reached those levels of of success so like we talked about last night it's like michael jordan comes back does that last dance what now and it must be really hard for the Chicago Bulls fans, the Arsenal fans, for all the fans of sports teams around the world who've had an intense period of success to have that sort of drop off. And to be the only people that have ever done it. Exactly. And that's, then a, we, that's an achievement. Like Yeah. And and a special one. And and then how do you and then how do you come out of that? And 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 we're still we're still asking ourselves that question. And we're still we're still defining that. But I think I have a sense, I have a sense we're on the right path with the current setup. Um, I think there's a few, you know, there's still, I still have question marks over. We're moving in the right direction. The question will be whether we have the pieces in play to go all the way or whether we need to put some new pieces in the jigsaw puzzle and then we do. But we are, there is no doubt that we're currently moving in the right direction. But the crucial part is, and I think you said it there, we have the people controlling the jigsaw pieces who I actually trust. Like I, I do, I do think right now for what we need right now, we have the right people in the positions mm-hmm. in terms of, yeah. And also we have people who have room to grow in terms of their ages and people who look as though, you know, the scouting network has completely been redone. The, the executives have been changed and, you know, we've got, you know, a fan advisory board and Tim Lewis has come in and, you know, all, all of these changes, which we discuss on the podcast all the time, I think have led to a fresh start and something that we can now get behind and is starting to yield results. And I think ultimately it comes back to it. We have to define our success in different ways. And as long as you're making slow incremental progress, I think that's all fans can ask for at the moment. Bradley, oh. I'd like your uh, review of the film. If you, were on, if you were on Rotten Tomatoes, what would you give it? What would your tagline be? Uh, I'd give it eight out of 10 and I thoroughly enjoyed wish there was more delving into the latter years. Uh, I'd say great depiction of Wenger's legacy, heartwarming, sad, and at times funny. Eight and a half out of 10, just, just to keep the brand. Because I'm always just slightly more positive than you. Uh, Brad, we've just got time. For a little bit of Arsenal trivia. So last time, I didn't ask you a question. I forgot. No. <laughs> it happened. It happened. You, talk, you went off on one of your tangents about football manager, and then I just forgot. So there you go. So the new question for next week is, name four managers of Arsenal that are not Arsene, Unai, Lundberg, or Mikel. Name four managers of Arsenal. You're going to struggle. Name four managers of Arsenal. <laughs> Having said Arsenal are nothing without Arsene Wenger that are not Arsene, Unai, Lundberg or Mikel. Okay. Okay. Look forward to it. Um, so we, uh, there's still no more football till, what is it, next weekend? Sunday, I think. Uh, no, Saturday evening. Uh, Liverpool away, which we'll have a podcast out with Rohan. Uh, Rohan, uh, mm-hmm. we've had on the podcast before. Looking forward to that. Uh, 
my laptop's still not fixed, so we're still having a nightmare, but it's all good. Uh, pleasure as always, Brad. Always, Brad's got to go. So uh, yeah, got all run. <laughs> he's he's doing he's doing leaving motions. Uh, I'll see you soon. Thanks as always for listening. Keep it different, knock, and we will see you later. Peace. Peace. Thank you so much for listening to the Different Knock podcast. Please hit subscribe or follow on whatever platform you're using. If you'd like to support the show, you can find us on Patreon and buymeacoffee.com, find us on Twitter at DiffKnock, and visit our website, thedifferentknock.com. Thanks. Podcast Network.